Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Pensacola, Florida, it's time for I-10 Wired Radio, brought to you by IT Gulf Coast, Florida West, and App River. Good morning, everyone. This is Curtis Cantrell with Southtel. We are your host for I-10 Wired Radio in almost sunny, beautiful Pensacola, Florida. Almost. I do mean beautiful, but almost sunny. So um, today we have a uh, program about uh, new entrepreneurship, and let's start by going around the room. And gentlemen, if you will introduce yourselves and your companies, start. Go ahead. Good morning, everyone. I'm Lloyd Richard, the CEO of Cognitive Big Data Systems, and we do uh, uh, some computer vision where we actually help video surveillance operators uh, monitor uh, video feeds. So I've, I've always I've been wondering what that was. And I know we used to share office space, and, and you were always hiding in the corner. I was wondering what you were up to. All right. <laughs> now I know. Okay. All right, great. And? Good morning, everyone. My name is Daniel Jacobs. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Reverbalist. We're a music engagement platform really designed to put artists first by driving the at-show experience to a far broader and more engaged audience, driving casual viewers towards super fandom. Okay. All right. Great. Uh, so, uh, we'll start with, uh, Lawrence Lloyd. Lloyd. Okay. Um, so tell me, uh, what made you decide to create a startup? Well, I guess it's my nature. I've been an entrepreneur my whole career, even though I worked for the government developing technology for almost 27 years. We don't talk about that part. Remember? (laughs) (laughs) But it's just, uh, I think I had some role models. Um, my uncles, they all, you know, did their own business and stuff like that. And, I just always like to create things. Always had had ideas. Yeah. yeah. So tell us a little bit about the how this works. What what was Cognitive Data do? Yeah. Um. So uh, one of the most interesting technologies that uh, we have mature when I worked for the government was in um, artificial intelligence, which is a form of computing. And 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 so it was pretty amazing. And um, and so I when I retired about four and a half years ago, I started thinking about ways to kind of leverages technology to create products and services, you know, to kind of, uh, so the world could actually take advantage of it. And so with this, uh, we evolved to this, um, doing stuff with video because it was kind of challenging. And, and so, so what our software actually does, it just, uh, automatically learns the patterns, uh, the pixel patterns in the video feeds and it literally understands what's going on in the video. And, and so we could use this technology in surveillance centers where um, operators are trying to monitor a lot of video feeds. And, and so this, this will assist operator in um, identifying threats as they're happening or, or as they're about to happen. And so it's a unique technology. Uh, so like an operator can sit and look at a, at a, a video feed, a server video feeds, but a, a com- with computer vision, you can look at stuff down to the pixel level and kind of understand what's going on. So you don't do the punch cards that you feed into the machine that make it work? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Daniel, uh, tell us about why you started. Uh, why the startup? Well, Reverbless has been an interesting project for the last year or so. And I think there's a very fine line between passion and selfishness. And really, Reverbless came out of that. Um, for many, to many respects, my co-founder and I, we have a kindred spirit in the live music industry. Um, unfortunately, not. we don't have any particularly musical talent. Our talent is in the tech 
space and strategic development space. And so we were trying to find ways in which we could see as many live shows as possible. So we wanted, it was purely driven out of selfishness and passion for the music industry. And we were frustrated by the fact that if shows were on the other side of the country, we couldn't, couldn't go to see them. And more to the point, if artists that we loved were creating this great music that we wanted to consume and we wanted to consume, consume ongoingly, they were finding it harder and harder to make a living out of, out of music. It's becoming a very challenging industry to survive in. So we wanted to try and find a way that we could present a solution for those artists to help them really capitalize on the live music performance to find a way to generate additional revenue to create greater connection with their fans and to help provide some longevity for their careers as they continue to create the music that we love so we can listen to it for as long as we possibly can. So does somebody join Reverbalist? Is it a, a, a pay per group or how does that work? Yeah, we're, we're, to be honest, we're a very early stage startup right now. We are, we are pre-seed startup. So you'll take any so money. We, we will take anybody's, <laughs> anybody's money right now. Um, but we're, we're actually in the early stage Q1 2017 is when we're looking to complete our pre-seed round. So we have a, a, a unique technology that we think can really take the live music experience. And the key is really the experience and bring that to as many people as possible rather than it just being a, a passive opportunity that you go to a show or you view a show on YouTube or Periscope or anything like that, it actually brings the experience to you. And that's what we feel like has been missing within the the attempts to really commoditize or really bring commercialization to the live music space is it's, it's a very passive experience. You sit behind a screen, it's not very good quality, the video is poor, mm-hmm. the audio isn't great. There may be a guy singing lyrics next to you. He's had a few too many to drink and he's not even singing the right lyrics, but that's all you can hear. Mm -hmm. Um, To try and make that a more engaging and more professional experience so that you can actually feel like you're closer to being at the show. You mean the guy that's next to you that says they're singing the wrong song. You got the words wrong. <laughs> that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. That's yeah. this guy right here. <laughs> how, do you, yeah, uh, how do you measure success? What is a, how do you know when you've reached an objective? Well, that's a, that's a great question. I think, you know, within the startup space and Lloyd, perhaps you, you share this too. I know but, how Lloyd measures it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> those, those metrics change very quickly and they change very often. You know, when you're, you're working on a startup and you're building something from the, from the ground up, the early measurements of success are just being able to, to keep going, to keep going for another month, another couple of months, um, another year, just so you take something from being a hobby to actually being a job that you can, you can do. But for us, as we start to build this out, and ultimately our ultimate goal would be able to provide an additional revenue stream for any artist that wants to create music, to go out on the road, to be able to do that and have that be a genuine opportunity for them to, to make a living mm-hmm. and to keep doing what they're doing. I mean, I think it was... 2002, David Bowie did an interview with New York Times, and he essentially said at that time that music was going to become like electricity or running water. It was going to become a commodity. And the, the only way that you'd be able to make money as an artist was to go out on the road for longer yeah. and more often. So we're finding more and more artists are going out on the road the whole time as the only way to generate the income that they need to survive. And it's almost a missed, missed opportunity in many yeah. respects. So if we can broaden that scope, Maybe we can do something pretty cool. When's the when's the last time you heard somebody putting out a platinum album, right? Or, or going platinum? Because it just doesn't happen anymore. Well, it's measured in downloads now. Yeah. Or streams. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and the music industry has really shifted to our expectations have shifted too now. You know, it used to be a time where you'd hear a song on the radio or you heard it from a friend, and then you'd have to go and hunt for the the record or the mm-hmm. C D and choose whether it was really something you wanted to do. Now the there's no barriers to entry anymore. If you mm-hmm. hear a song on the radio or someone tells you about a song, you just go online and you listen to it straight away. 
there's an immediacy to it, but it's free. Yeah. Which is great for fans, but it's really challenging for the <laughs> artists on the other side. So um, how does ASCAP and BMI, how do those organizations figure into what you do? Do you have to pay licensing to be able to rebroadcast? Absolutely. Yeah. And there's a, there's a difference there between whether it's a, just a live broadcast and whether we actually retain the recording for then future streaming or future sharing. Um, so we're having discussions with those folks right now, um, trying to find the best way to create the model that works for, for everybody. Um, they've been able to come up with great relationships for the likes of Spotify, Apple Music, and, and folks like that that are very beneficial to those organizations too. We, we try and consider ourselves an, an artist-first platform is how we would term ourselves. So at the forefront of what we try and do is trying to generate the most amount of revenue that we can for the artists without them doing anything differently. We don't want them to do anything differently from what they're doing now, but we want to provide additional opportunities for them to continue to do what they love. So our approach is a little bit different, but working with ASCAP BMI is the only way in order to get this to get this done. Um, but most importantly for us, it's about working with the artist because the artist is what makes this. It's an artist-first platform. Without them creating the music, we don't have something that we can we can then communicate and share with our right. share with our users. Right. Lloyd, um, yes. biggest challenge. What have you been faced with? Well, the the Biggest challenge is um, when you, you know, tackle something um, that's kind of big and global. Um, it's it's a little bit harder, but I think the uh, rewards are, uh, are much better. So what we decided to do was to, in order to get into this um, computer vision, video analytics space and security, um, we decided that we would take the approach of integrating with the companies that make the um, the video management software because they're already in the casinos, they're already in the hospitals, they're already in the police stations, they're they're literally everywhere. And so the so the the model is if you got technology to add to to those um, to monitoring all those video feeds, you have to integrate with their software. So um, that's a challenging approach because there are a lot of uh, video surveillance, uh, uh, video software management companies. And so it would have been simpler if I had said, well, we're going to develop a video analytics solution, like let's say for monitoring a baby while the baby's sleeping. You know, it's a totally focused thing. But in this case, um, we decided to take the most uh, challenging approach. So that's, and so, and the irony is, is that's not really the way we want to ultimately be in the end, what we want to do is, is, is we have a, a video analytics engine and we want the, the people who make this video management software to actually be able to configure it the way they want to configure it. But in order to get started, we have to integrate with a few of them first and show them how it works. And then we can revert back to a platform approach where they know what their customers want and, and then they can, they can configure our engine to kind of deliver that. So that's a really, really, um, uh, challenging. That's kind of the too big of a challenge, you know. But it's that's the way we're moving forward, and we have uh, three companies that we're working with to integrate their software. And the good news is we have um, uh, one of the companies that evaluate all this software. They're they're waiting till we integrate it, and they'll they'll do a story on us to help us kind of get our word word out there. Okay, so it uh, it's go big or go home. Yeah, right. That, that's so, a, that's exactly right. <laughs> Why do one when you can do them all? <laughs> well, see, see the see what the irony of entrepreneurship is is that you can do a mom and a pop, and it takes a lot of work. Mm-hmm. But that same amount of work with that mom and pop, you can do something that's big. And mm-hmm. I think that's what innovation is all about. And 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 that's 
the message, you know, that I'm, that I'm communicating right now, because like you're all familiar with my wife and I, we started the Pensacola network. So, so Pensacola network, network in Pensacola. Mm-hmm. But what if I said, well, let's do some network where everybody in the world can, network. it takes the same amount of effort. You see what I'm saying? So that's, that's kind of where, where I'm at. Well, why not do big? And so ultimately we want to end up as uh, computer visions for robots. Yeah. Because that's what the future is about. But, um, and, and so you just kind of have to be patient. The robots are coming, but you know, you, you have to kind of wait till they get here. You know, so that, that's, that's, well, but, but I think you, you, you make a very strong point here that a lot of times the entrepreneurs and the startups maybe don't get out of that frame of mind. I mean, one, we're all in this, right? Because we, we realize a couple of things. We're probably not hireable for other places, <laughs> right? We've got, uh, there's something inside that's, that's sort of compelling us to create and, um, there's a, there's a piece of you that realizes, well, maybe a paycheck can come from more than one place, right? It doesn't have to be every two weeks. Of course, we'd love it to be every two weeks sometimes, but it's not. But the big thing is, is that what you just said, it takes that same amount of energy to sell $5,000 worth of stuff as it does to sell $105,000 worth of stuff. And sometimes to break out of that and really start thinking that way leads to some really big things. Obviously, you two are, are prime examples of that, but that's a huge piece that I don't think a lot of people get. There's four of us at this table. <laughs> Three of us are hireable. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to be hireable. Lloyd, Daniel, and myself, we're, we're on one side of that fence. But <laughs> but I think one thing that Lloyd mentioned there quickly about tech, quickly trying to change the conversation. Yeah, no, no worries. Yeah, worries. It's okay. Like, I can take it. I got things to man. And one thing that Lloyd mentioned about tech was really, really interesting, that Lloyd's waiting, you know, kind of, he has a vision for what's coming yeah. already, and the ro- the robots are coming. And when we first started <laughs> don't, talking, don't say about that to too many people. Too many people. <laughs> and when we first started talking about reverberless, we had the idea, but the technology wasn't there in order to right. make it happen. We were desperately trying to think of ways in which we could actually bring this to fruition. Fast forward six months later, and new iPhones come out, new technology comes mm-hmm. about, and suddenly the technology is commoditized too. Now another six months further along everything that we talked about possibly doing at some stage in the future yeah. is now readily available and everybody has it in their, in their pocket that, you know, that I wouldn't be af- afraid of technology or worrying about when things are going to, going to happen much to, to Lloyd's point, just being ahead of the curve is where you almost have to be yeah. at this point, because the evolution of technology and the commoditization of technology is happening so fast. Yeah. So, so fast. Yeah. That an idea that you think today, Oh, it's six months away. It's probably only six weeks away, depending yeah. on what you're trying to do. So, Somebody somewhere is working on it, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and that and that sparks the need for rapid innovation and rapid get to market strategies, whether it's a lean methodology or whatever it may be, um, to really start to innovate quickly and get things to market to try these things because there are other people mm-hmm. doing similar things, I'm sure, um, and it catches up very quickly. And I don't think the the old adage about if you're standing still, you're going backwards. I think now you almost have to be. Mm-hmm. kind of jogging a little bit so, yeah. <laughs> which is a worry for yeah. some of us <laughs> yeah. so uh I, I well i got a question then so so what were your get to market strategies fast if you can give some of it away without giving all of it away because you had to you had to come across that thought right how do we do this and how do we do it quick well the uh you know there's always an idea and there's always a plan and and, and sometimes you run into some hiccups in trying to get there so our, our strategy was um to um um, you know, build a minimum viable product and, and get it out there, uh, get it integrated in, into some, um, uh, 
monitor those um, video management softwares and, and let their customers um, play with it. And, and so I, you know, going down that path, I thought I could do that in, in about three months or so, but <laughs> really like six, it's like construction. You say three and it's like nine. So here a year later, I'm still not there yet. But, um, but, but the bottom line is, is, is that get to market strategy. It, it's, um, it's the path that's actually laid, but, um, but then we run into these technical, technical hookups, um, not necessarily with the technology, but, and, and, uh, reconfiguring the technology for the state of the, the, the camera systems mm-hmm. that are out there now. And it's, um, so, so long story short, it, um, it's not as easy as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. But, but the path is clear on how, how to do that. So now kind of at a stage where, um, to, um, uh, need to bring in some more people onto the team. But in order to do that, you kind of need some, need some funding. And, and so the, so it's the, as a CEO, I have to keep figuring out a way to, to set these milestones and kind of push, push the ball a little yeah. forward. Kind of OS are you running? Is this a, a, a Windows based or is it a Linux or is it? Yeah. So that, that's the, that's the neat thing is, is, uh, believe it or not, then it's, that's hard for a lot of people. Like our software actually runs in Windows. Okay. And, and, and so, um, and the dramatic thing is, is, is um, this, the technology that we're actually using now, we actually used in the government over 10 years ago. And, and, uh, it's, it's, uh, it literally builds, you know, my, what my partner did is Dr. Thiebenthal, where he's a prolific inventor. And so he, he automated everything to do with artificial intelligence. So our software automatically builds the neural network and with millions of neurons that runs on a PC that fits in your hand. Big brothers watching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Always. And, and so like with this, with this type of technology and, and the automation, um, of course, um, there's a lot of lot of push pushback, but and and it's kind of you know when you look at the cloud and and all the investments that have been done in artificial intelligence and cognitive computing, um, the the thing that's made the most difference is the cloud and the ability to build these huge neural networks. A little over a year ago, I, I was looking. Um, it may have been two years ago. The Microsoft had um, did some you know, software and app to kind of recognize pets, dogs, all the species mm-hmm. of dogs. And in their specification, they said they wouldn't, they said it took over 30 times less computers than we had ever did it in the past. And they said this, our neural network, it had billions of connection weights. And so what a lot of people don't understand is, is when you automate the artificial intelligence, you can actually do that on a PC. And so over 10 years ago, working with the government, we were building neural networks that run in Windows on a PC that had over billions of connection links. And, and so, and that's the thing that, you know, I, I guess I shouldn't be too technical, but, but literally it's about storing all these connection weights in memory. So on our applica- application, we don't store any video. We actually store those connection weights, which actually have the memories of the patterns of the mm-hmm. other pixels. And so, so the neat thing was my partner just automated the whole process of building these things. So if I've got a DVR and it's running a, a canned software, you're able to interface with that, and you can you can talk to that software and run the analytics. Right. So like so, you just got to imagine is our software, you know, likes the raw pixel data. 
Right. So like, so like every video frame has a bunch of pixels. And so the, those, the pixels are re- represented, you know, um, you know, by numbers. And, and so like our software just learns the patterns in those, those numbers. Oh, it's just literally, literally that simple. Okay. <laughs> but then, it's not that simple. No. <laughs> but when yeah, you right. put it like that. Yeah, yeah right. right. <laughs> when you dumb it down, you know. Um, so, so, uh, Daniel, um, December of next year, 2017, 2017 is gone. And you look back at that. What kind of, uh, what kind of standard? What are you looking for? What are your goals? When, when you look back at 2017 and you say, yeah, I succeeded, what, what's that look like? Money, <laughs> money. I was gonna say in cash. cash. Shut up. I was gonna say in simplest terms, it would be being back here and still having a conversation about Reverblist because right. it means we've managed to continue to build this and evolve what we're doing um, for another year. You know, we the plan is as such that you know by the by Q three next year we'll have a product out there actually in the wild that folks are actually using on a regular basis. Um, when we, we built this with some artists on board, and we mentioned it was kind of an artist-first first approach, we'd love to build out that artist roster as well so that we have their buy-in so we can continue to tweak and evolve the model so that it works as well as it can possibly work work for them. Um, and, and it's out there, and we have live users, and we're getting live live feedback. Um, maybe somewhat ambitious to be, you know, December to have a fully commercial product out there, but there's certainly no reason by Q3 we haven't got something out there that folks are using on a regular basis beta testing that for us um, and really, really making this, making this happen. So that would be the ultimate goal. But yeah, to your point, <laughs> there's some uh, initial resource challenges yeah, to, right? to, the, to that. But, you know, it, things are moving in the right direction. We've done this for, you know, with the time we have so far, we've got the runway to continue this into the, into the next year. And then hopefully when we go through that round of funding, then we'll be really be able to accelerate to get to where we need to be, but then start to get ahead of the curve with some of the cool stuff that's happening in virtual reality and augmented reality and things like that too. Yeah. So you're looking for, uh, you're looking for artists now you're looking for, for people to sort of help build the platform and stuff with you or what? Yeah. We have a couple of artists um, who are working with us right now to almost as an advisory board. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really just, it's really powerful for us because if we're going to position ourselves as an artist first platform, we want to make sure that we have the artist fully represented. And really the key feedback that we've had from artists so far is, um, do whatever you like as long as you don't get in the way and I don't have to do anything yeah. particularly different, um, which seems fair. Um, so we've tried, to, yeah. be, tried to, be, to be mindful of that. But there's also other engagement things that we can do. There's ways in which we can help them communicate with their fans a little bit better and really integrate some of that fan engagement strategy to actually the live directly into the live performance. Mm-hmm. So it's more than just saying, hey, as you leave, check out the merch table and maybe grab a shirt and then yeah. new CD on the way out. There's actually more of a a pattern to that, more of a strategy to that. And it builds to this long-term ongoing relationship between fan and artist, which we know is so powerful. Yeah. Um, but it works both ways. And right now it's a little bit of a missed, missed opportunity. So if there's folks out there who are, you know, want to chat with us from the artist side, and um, we'd be more than happy to, to have those conversations because we always love chatting to, to folks who make great music. So tell that camera right there where they can find you. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Hi everyone. Um, Reverbless.com is really the best place for, for, for us right now. There's a sign up form on there. You can sign up whether you're an artist or a, or a fan. Um, you can find us on all the social media channels at Reverbless too. So Twitter, Facebook, any of those. Um, for investor folks, we're on angel.co backslash Reverbless. Yep. So we're pretty easy to find. There's not, not too many folks out there called Reverbless. So mm-hmm. as long as you can spell it correctly, you're in. You're in, you're in, you're in <laughs> that's the head yeah. start. What is, what's your market? Is your market 
the world right now? I mean, are you coming out of the gate going global, or are you coming out of the gate shooting for uh, American artists, British artists? Where do you, where do you, where are you, where are um, you going? Most like Lloyd. It's, this is a kind of a go big or go home strategy. Yeah, you know the 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 artists that we'd love to work with are, have global appeal, have mass appeal, um, and when you talk about the commoditization of anything, you are essentially opening up that to a global a global audience. So we're absolutely looking looking global. Um, we don't have any specific artists in, in mind, but you know, we, we'd absolutely Stones. be open. To, <laughs> <laughs> we have a few artists in mind, perhaps. Um, El John. <laughs> um, the, the really, just really, those big opportunities are the ones that'd be really, really interesting. Um, and we'd be, we'd love to to explore those as yeah. we go. But yeah, you have to have global appeal. I mean, as an artist, as someone who's creating music, you're creating it not necessarily for the folks in your neighborhood or your your town. You're doing it so you can make a career out of it. And to do that, you have a global appeal and that's what we're like we're, we'd like to tap into to help them help them yep. accordingly yeah curtis is an artist i am curtis can curtis can fiddle a guitar yeah fiddle a guitar <laughs> you, can, you can fiddle a guitar, <laughs> fiddle a guitar. Right. <laughs> see if i say it like that that makes you like this un, this strange commodity that everybody yeah. needs you see how that works <laughs> yeah that's something everyone was interested <laughs> oh, there's a man who can fiddle a guitar yeah get that's out, right get out the bow and <laughs> that's it. it all right <laughs> yeah uh lloyd tell us about yourself yeah, uh, so me, um, um, you know, engineer by trade, and and always love love to innovate. Um, the um, I um, I've spent most of my career, you know, working for the Air Force Research Laboratory, and it's hard for some people to understand. So, like, I stayed in the same branch in this uh, same area for for quite a few years there, and and the reason why was. So I can look at what problem needs to be solved or what problems and the problems identified that need to be solved in the military were actually processing data. And so the approaches that we were actually using to process data, uh, we, we literally developed weapon concepts that we had to fly them slow because the, you know, the process on board can process the sensor data fast enough. And so I said, well, what can I do to help solve this problem? So I started looking at alternative um, computing methods. And I came up with two, reconfigurable computing and artificial intelligence. And they, they um, reconfigurable computing was a little bit more challenging. Artificial intelligence, it worked fine on a computer, but I needed to get it inside the weapon or the drone or the robot. And, and so so over 10 years ago, you know, can you imagine, you know, the size of the, the computers? But just think, you know, think of a Windows computer now. Uh, can you kind of get it inside of a robot or a drone? You know, because Windows runs on cards that are, smaller half the size of a small iphone and and so that's a big that's kind of what the difference now is that's the difference in technology now my dad worked for burroughs and nobody knows who burroughs no, is anymore no clue. they were a huge computer company and yes. the first computer they ever worked on would not fit in this room and it had 4k of memory mm-hmm. so i mean it's just, and it, it ran it, the world it, still uh no they used punch cards and it made a little <laughs> snoopy pictures that's about that's about all it could do yeah, all right i can uh, use so, a snoopy picture it, <laughs> That's right. That's right. So how do we reach cognitive data? How do we find you? Yeah, so the it's cognitive um, bds.com for cognitive big data systems and Twitter, you know, at cognitive bds and Facebook, same same thing. And so yeah, uh we look forward to connecting and uh the message I would tell tell people in general, there is a lot of technology out there and and so like the technology that my company leverages, my partner has his own company as well, and he actually licenses technology. So you can actually use it 
well, almost anything, the same code that we used to do video streaming, mm -hmm. it, it works on any kind of data. It's just, uh, it's just an automated uh, code. And, and so it's a pretty neat thing. There's a lot of opportunities for a lot of startups on leveraging this type of technology to, to, to move forward. Great. Great. So uh, I got to, I got to ask you though, cause you won, um, startup Pensacola. Mm -hmm. So talk to us a little bit about that experience. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, it's so uh, it was uh, interesting. I found out Cox was doing this get started program, and and I and I commend them for that. You know because there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there doing a lot. I have a lot of ideas, and to have a forum where you can actually pitch your idea, is is pretty pretty amazing. And so I I thought that experience it was actually challenging for me. I put yeah. a lot of time you know getting getting ready to to pitch, and. Because like uh, from a year ago, doing pitches that were about seven minutes long and then evolving to a pitch that's like three minutes long. And then all of a sudden, Cox wants you to do one that's two and a half minutes. Mm -hmm. And so, but it was a good, good thing to do because it forced me to uh, learn how to articul articulate my idea a lot better. And so, and, and I wish more uh, activities like the Get Started program would happen uh, locally because, um, and most people don't realize there are a lot of pitch competitions and from, you know, smaller, like small amounts, like what Cox does to like a hundred K. And so, and, and so I plan to participate in a lot more, more of them and to, to, um, to, to try to have some success. Because those other startups who have, has literally leveraged pitch competitions to actually fund their software development. Yeah. Know, for their product. Sometimes you don't get two and a half minutes as they're pushing you out the door. Yeah, so you, you really gotta, you gotta learn how to talk quick. Yeah. yeah. Or, or find a sales guy that does, right? Yeah, that's right. What do you think, uh, what was your biggest takeaway from it? You think? Well, um, the, the funny thing was I had practiced my pitch a lot and I, I made a couple mistakes, but only I knew they were mistakes. And I didn't realize that until after the thing was over, I was getting a little frustrated with my pitch. But I realized nobody knew what I was going to say, but me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, you can wing it and nobody knows, right? That's when they look at you and they go, you nailed it, man. And you go, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was, that was a, a small takeaway, but um, I, I think the biggest takeaway for uh, Get Started Pen Pensacola was other companies need to step up to the plate like Cox and do, do the similar things to counter yeah. that innovation here in the community. So, right. I, and I, and I gotta say, it's, I mean, it just goes to show, progress and also our, our lack of attention, right? So you had seven minutes a year or two ago, three, five years ago, then it went to five and it went to three. Now it's at two and a half, right? What do they tell you usually for anything on the internet to catch your attentions, 45 seconds or less, right? Which really you got about five seconds. Mm -hmm. So how did you, how do you take your seven minute pitch to two and a half minutes? Like, what does that look like? Facts, 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 and more facts or. Yeah, yes. It, it, it literally, you have to, you know, Typically, you can write a sentence to say something, and 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 you may you may you know have a bunch of words in there, but then you know you only got two and a half minutes, so you got to figure out how to cut that down and be clear about what you're doing. And what I discovered is is actually I actually learned how to communicate my idea a little a little bit better by having less less time. Yeah, you take all the verbs out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Real you take out all the that don't matter, you know, that that don't really matter. You might be repeating yourself a little bit, but you you know you get to the point a lot quicker. Yeah. So um, I, I've got to mention um, Beth's event because I think that this is uh, this is something that's that's gonna uh, you know I know Beth's in the studio. You can't see her on camera, but I think this is something that should be pretty big. And and this is your first meeting, right? This will be the first one tonight. 
So this is a um, startup and entrepreneurship development at Dolce and Gelato Coffee and Confections, which is at 221 East Zaragoza Street, Pensacola, Florida, from 6 to 7.30. So they're going to be doing all kinds of uh, startup entrepreneurship, all kinds of things just to talk about, places and forums where questions can be asked and other people that maybe have the experience can help you answer. Um, no different than this conversation around the table here. I know I've pulled probably three or four good facts that I'll use on my next, um, whatever it is, ADD moment of <laughs> starting something else. <laughs> um, but again, very, very cool. And Beth, thank you for doing this because for those that don't know you need it yet, when you, when you get it and you realize that you needed it, it's going to be very cool. So again, from six to seven thirty tonight, Dolce and Gelato, uh, which is at 221 East Zaragoza Street. And that is the Startup and Entrepreneurship Development. You can also find it on meetup.com or you can find it, uh, you can find us. You can email me at khofert at businessradiox.com and I'll be more than happy to get you the information. Oh, and these two guys are going to be, you're going to be there, both of you? Yeah, yeah, we'll be there. Oh, well, then I got to show up now. (laughs) Very Um, cool. The other pitch, yeah, there's another pitch contest too. Innovation Coast has a pitch contest coming yes. up. Um, and Tiffany was going to be here right today, right but uh, but she was sick. Um, yeah, but thank you for yeah. While Lloyd won the uh, start of Pensacola, some of us didn't mm-hmm. didn't yeah, win. Okay. But thank you for not mentioning. Don't that. give up. <laughs> <laughs> well, right? The world needs you. Right. It, it, actually, it was it was really just a fascinating experience just to, to go through yeah. and uh, echo everything that that Lloyd said. It was a really great event. Um, couldn't thank Cox and the folks who organized it enough. And I know we're grateful for the opportunity with Innovation Coast too. But, you know, for us, it was the first time we'd really taken Reverbalist into the wild. It was mm-hmm. the first time we'd gone out of our little group of advisors and yeah. board members and family and friends who haven't had too much negative to say about the yeah. idea that we're chasing. So to take it out into the wild and really get genuine feedback from folks who came to attend, whether it was with the, the little open event beforehand, the networking session, or actually in the in the pitch contest itself was was invaluable yeah so congratulations again to, to lloyd but just to echo everything he said it was a, a great event and thanks to everybody who was part of pulling that together yeah so how does it feel to pull that idea out like have you seen the ge commercial with the little idea it's all kind of ugly and furry and then they they pull it in the ge building and at the end they nurse it and it's this huge like peacock looking alien creature but it's all beautiful and stuff mm-hmm. is that how it feels you kind of throw this thing out there and you're like oh man i just don't know what to do and then and then based on some of the reactions is is how it goes right Pretty much, pretty much. Yeah, when we, we first started coming up with this idea, we didn't get together with the idea, you know, trying to come up with an, with an idea. Um, my co-founder and I had both been mentors at a different event um, in Silicon Valley. And so we kind of just met up afterwards, started having, and we realized we had this shared notion of appreciation for live music and you know, a few drinks and a few napkins later, <laughs> suddenly we had the out, outline of an idea. And, um, and then really, then it started just to evolve from there. So we started yeah. to have conversations, started to get ideas and thoughts and see what else was out there in the space. Then suddenly things start to start to evolve. And, you know, sometimes you have to try and just grab the reins and, and hold on while this idea kind of races off. And other times you're trying to just steer it in the right direction. So, yeah, it's very much, very much like that. Yeah. But it's exciting to be part of it, you know, to be the, kind of the master of your own destiny to many respects and starting to drive something you think has a genuine Chance to do something, something pretty cool in the world is is a, is a lot of fun. So, Curtis, how many how many napkins does Southdale take? Um, just a couple, actually. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, two yeah, minimum it, of two. Yeah, minimum two. Yeah, <laughs> you know, a lot of people ask me why I started the company, and um, I started the company <clears throat> when I was eighteen, 
uh, one year out of high school and, um, you were I unhireable. I didn't have a job. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it's out of work. See? So, you know, <laughs> I went and bought a business license and, uh, that's it. I mean, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I knew how to do electronics and wiring and I wanted to get into communications. And so that was it back, back in the day, it was a little easier to do what we do. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more challenge to, to, to our industry now than there was when we, we first started, but, yep. uh, yeah, we've adapted and, and grown and just happy to still be here after 35 years. Yeah. So I still have the, the napkins for some of the things that mm-hmm. I've done. I've got the They'll first framed one. I've day. got the first right. dollar that I got. These? Yeah. Really? I still have that. Yeah. Very cool. I don't know where it is. It's in a box. <laughs> Does it say first dollar on it? It does. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Good. yeah. Okay. One, one of the guys that we did some work for, uh, he was our first official contract and, so he sent me a dollar in the mail and he said, there'll be a dollar less on your check when you get it. Here's your first dollar. Nice. So, yeah. Very cool. That's pretty cool. Yep. Very neat. All right. So where are we? You got anything left? Well, uh, I'm, I don't gentlemen, I've been, I've been happy to host this and enjoyed meeting you all. Um, again, we're uh South tail and you can find us at southtail.com or on Facebook under South tail. Uh, if you need, uh, telephone systems, voice, data, video, sound, uh, we do it all. We, yeah. Provide leading edge technology for your business. So glad to have you guys. And uh, one, one more time, give your uh, websites out again. Talk to the camera too, so you can let talk Facebook to the world and social media know. All right, cognitive B as in boy, B as in David, uh, S as in Sam. CognitiveBDS.com or at CognitiveBDS. And for us, it's Reverbalist.com. R e v e r b a l i s t dot com. And the same for Twitter, Facebook angel.co anything like that it's pretty easy pretty easy to find us and to email me is just daniel at reverbless.com great uh take us out here dude yeah man so uh you guys can find uh i10 on twitter at i10 wired uh you can find it at i10 wired.com or you can find it through our website at pensacola.businessradiox.com gentlemen again thanks for coming out today and uh don't forget the event tonight from 6 to 7 30 startups and entrepreneurship at dolce and I always want to say goodbye. Dolce and Gelato, 221 Zaragoza Street uh, here in Pensacola, or you can find it up at uh, meetup.com. This show is brought to you by IT Gulf Coast, Florida West, and App River. If you are interested in sponsoring I-10 Wired Radio, please call 850-288-9959.